0: Dear Ransomed Heart, I don't know that anyone has the answer to this, but I'm sure we've all asked how to handle the disappointment of God answering the prayers we pray for others and loved ones while the deep cries of our own hearts seem to continue to fall on deaf ears. I know God hears us, and I know he cares, but what do we do with unanswered prayers that come from such deep, Places in us. How do we live now in the waiting when it hurts so much, when healing doesn't come, when friends and family leave and abandon us, when loneliness cuts us through, when life doesn't work out? What do we do with that stuff, especially when we continue to see our prayers for others answered? I'm just baffled at how my prayers seem to be effective for everyone and everything except for my own life. Friends, welcome back to the Ransom Tower Podcast. John Eldridge here reading a question from one of our many listeners. We are wrapping up a series on prayer here uh, this week, the second week in December, second week of Advent. And um, looking forward to next week and getting into some Christmas content, but we just thought this prayer series was so important. We couldn't, we couldn't finish it without answering some of the questions that we've been getting. So Alan and I are back in the studio this week with a, quite a few pages of printed questions that you all have sent in, and this first one is it's kind of right at the core of the matter,
1: isn't it?: It's a huge one. How would you answer that question, John? What what is the advice for someone going through this? You
0: know, it raises it raises actually so many important questions about prayer and our hearts and our life with God. And I think I think the main thing I want to say right off the bat is preserve the relationship. We're going to talk actually a lot about some of the things that get in the way of prayer and maybe some things to try or things to consider, but I don't want to go to technique. I want to go to love, and I want to go Mm. to relationship. Yes. And I I just know that in my own life and my own unanswered prayers, the the attack is sometimes obvious and sometimes subtle, but it erodes the relationship. It erodes my confidence in the goodness of God, right? And that's the stuff that really takes away the passion, the love, the intimacy. And so whatever else I say today, I, I just preserve the relationship, preserve the relationship, meaning in the midst of the confusion and the disappointment and the heartache, we take a bold stand to love God. As we were saying earlier in the series, we love God in it. We love him in the disappointment not for it yes but in it we love him in the waiting you know i'm thinking of romans 8 starting in 22 we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present not only so but we who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for all of it for the restoration, for the renewal of all things, for the return of Jesus. He goes on to say, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And what's interesting is, in Peterson's translation, it says that we actually are enlarged in the waiting. All kinds of things are being accomplished in us, in those tough periods of waiting, of heartache, of pressing in and continuing to trust God when everybody else's prayers are getting answered, including our prayers for other people, right? but not apparently our prayers for ourselves. Like the first bold thing is, man, you have to protect the relationship. And the second thing I want to say, because so many of the questions that came in are, are around unanswered prayer, right? I mean, totally, yes is be very careful with interpretation. The heart will come to conclusions. We we will form an interpretation. Um, and you want to be aware, <laughs> like get that to the surface of what, you know, what your interpretation is, but be intentional about it. I, I mean, I would involve a friend, uh, a pastor, a priest, a, a counselor, or just a trusted friend to... Get some interpretation. Yes. Jesus, what's going on? Why do these prayers not seem to be yielding any results? Why do some prayers seem to be working? My own prayers seem to be working, but not in this area. The job, the finances, the health, the the particular place of, of genuine disappointment. Ask for interpretation. Jesus, what's going on? What is in the way? How are you interpreting? the current uh problems in prayer and let me just give a a very recent example of that personally so i wrote a book on prayer some of you have read that moving mountains you know i taught a lot on it we've learned a lot about prayer over the years healing prayer listening prayer prayer for trauma you know, healing of inner psychological fragmentation a prayer for guidance like warfare prayer we've learned a ton around prayer but that doesn't mean i'm done and that doesn't mean that what i currently know about prayer is sufficient to this hour on the earth or what i currently know about prayer is is where god wants to leave me like okay you know you graduated good job no more lessons john <laughs> And so even just in the last couple evenings, this yeah. pray, Stacey and I have been praying and praying through some people we care about, praying through some difficult things, pausing and asking Jesus, what are you teaching me? What's the new lesson? What do you want to grow me into? Some of the questions that came in were around identity, like how important is identity in prayer? And Alan, I know that that's been huge for you. Yes. Uh, you know, sonship. Right. You're a daughter, you're a son, and how much that,
1: I mean, that right. alone changed your prayer life. Oh, it changed it from just asking questions to a deity that's up there and that I hope hears. And I know he's omniscient and I know he's all powerful, but I didn't feel like I was coming to him from a position of father son and intimacy in that relationship. And so, yeah, John, by stepping into who he is first, he's a good father. He's not passive. He cares. He longs for us. He he is maturing us. And so now as a son, if I approach him that way, it doesn't just change how I pray, but it changes it into a conversation. Yes. And from a conversation then there's an expectancy of what is he up to? Yes. And so it takes away this sense of, wow, I tossed up a prayer. I hope he heard. I yes. hope something happens into, no, it's it's a father or son, father, daughter for the women out there. Yeah. When you take that approach, it just takes the pressure off and it increases, like you said earlier, it preserves the relationship. It increases the intimacy because I don't know how God will answer, but I know he heard. I know he's for me. And I know that we're in alignment So from that point, I can rest and be expectant for what happens.
0: Yeah, that's good, Alan. So what you're illustrating is what happened in your life was the shift to intimacy and the coming into the realization you are a son. Right. You're not an orphan. You're not a beggar. You're not, you know, pounding on the doors of heaven hoping that someone will pay attention. Right. It brought you into intimacy with God. And from the place of intimacy... You began to pray in much more confident ways?
1: In more confident ways. And also, I felt like I was looking less for results and more for relationship. Like, I think the biggest shift, John, for me was, yeah, I'm asking for things that are important or that I hope happen, but even if those things don't happen, God, I I really want more of you at my core. Yes. And so... Whatever I'm praying about, it's big, it's important, it's it's needed. And if I get that or I get you, I'll take you. Mm-hmm. and And from there, mm-hmm. that trust came in, and that pressure went off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And it's important to say that as we push
0: into some of the some of the deeper issues and and I don't know technicalities around prayer, he is maturing us. He is maturing us. And in this moment on the earth, maturity is needed, gang. And so the prayers of our youth will not be sufficient to the current moment. And I don't want to introduce any form of striving, right. but we do need to realize he is growing us up. And so, as I was saying the last couple nights, I'm asking Jesus, okay, Lord, the prayers of my youth are not working. What are you teaching me? What are we working on? What do you want? And sometimes he'll just bring us back to his love. Our hearts just need to be recentered in his love. But quite often after that, he'll say, I'm teaching you authority. You yes. are forgetting Ephesians 2 6, that you have been raised with Christ and seated with him at the right hand of the Father. In fact, on Monday of last week, if you all read the daily reading, which is a wonderful daily devotional that we send out for free. So if you don't get the daily reading, it's, it's really great. You can sign up for that on our website. The daily reading was about authority. Mm-hmm. And it was about, look, you know, one day you are going to be entrusted with kingdoms. You were going to join God in running the universe. Really, actually, like you don't go to heaven and do nothing. Your, <laughs> your eternal right. life is one of incredible influence, and so how does he teach us to reign? Well, That's By putting us in situations where we have to grow up and learn how to exercise the authority of Christ, for example, how to use that. That's So huge. all this just began with, be careful how you're interpreting, protect the relationship, ask God,
1: what are we working on? So I've got a few more questions. Can I ask you those? We better. Okay. This is one where the person says, it's probably semantics— Since the Trinity is three in one, but she's asking or he's asking, am I supposed to be talking to God when I pray or Jesus or the Holy Spirit? And then they bring up, they know in the daily prayer, all three are addressed, which is awesome, but still confusion on that front.
0: Okay, really good. And this is back to the relationship and this is back to maturity. I think most people begin with God, right? Or maybe they were taught the Lord's Prayer, our Father, Mm -hmm. right? But as we mature in our Christian faith, we come to know and have a relationship with each of the members of the Trinity, God as Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to consider, friends, to open up, huh, what is my relationship with the Holy Spirit? What is my relationship with Jesus or with my Father? And what I want to point out is you probably gravitate toward one. You're probably more comfortable relating to either Holy Spirit or you're more comfortable relating to Jesus or to our Father. And so to open up, God's maturing us, to open up, well, what about the others? And how are they relating to me? Well, I think open up some really good things in your life. So for me, you know, Stacey and I came to Christ in the Jesus movement of the late 60s and 70s, and it was Jesus, right? And I loved Jesus. And I, for me, he's where I go to first in prayer. I begin my prayers, Jesus. I yes. dial into him. Yep. And because of growing up in an alcoholic home, because of father wounding, I didn't relate to the father really until my 40s, where I began to realize, wow, my dad painful history with my alcoholic father has really hurt my relationship Mm. with my Heavenly Father, and I don't want to leave that there. So I want to pursue that, and then opening up more of my life to the Spirit of God and to the gifts the Spirit has, to the counsel the Spirit has. It's a fun idea to like, okay, where am I with the Trinity? It is. And if you aren't relating to the other two... Open that up. Explore that. Okay, because we're pushing into maturity, let me just go ahead and add a little bit more. The Holy Spirit is the one who anoints us. So when we're looking for anointing, strength, empowering for a particular task, we were praying before the podcast today, and I was asking the Holy Spirit to anoint me. Holy Spirit anoints us. Holy Spirit guides. Holy Spirit comforts us. Holy, when you need comfort, Holy Spirit comfort me. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our captain. He is the captain of the armies of the Lord. Jesus is also our healer. So when it is in, you know, realms of spiritual warfare, I'll almost always be talking to Jesus about that. What are you doing? How are we praying? Because I'm giving orders in Jesus' name. Yes. Right? We're using his authority against the evil one. Or when we are in inner healing, Jesus is the healer. Isaiah 61, the Lord has anointed me, Jesus said, to do the healing of the brokenhearted. And then Father is like the deepest—I don't say it's the deepest. Father is the center. Father is mostly about love. He's not particularly energized by getting stuff done I think that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Father just wants your love. He just Mm. wants to be your dad. Mm. He just wants to father you. And so there's just some thoughts on, well, what is my need? And which member of the Trinity might speak to this need more and and go there
1: in prayer? And just an awareness of it is so good. Because I'll hear people pray, and I've done this where it's Jesus, do this, Jesus, this, Jesus, this. And then at the end, I find myself tripping over, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. (laughs) Amen. And I'm like... I've been talking to Jesus, and now I am I think the awareness is important. Who are you praying to in the Trinity and for what need? That's good. So here's another question. What I've been struggling with recently is how exhausted I've been. I've had many times of deep prayer where I knew I was praying with God, where I knew what I needed to pray, and what wasn't uh, needed at that time. But then they say they've come to a place where they've been so busy and so exhausted, they haven't had the mental strength to get into those prayers— And they hate it. So they still pray, but the prayers are short, almost lazy, they say, and they want to get out of the funk, but have no idea how.
0: Okay, again, this is why context is so important, gang. Context, context. The saints are hard-pressed right now. You are not the only one who is exhausted. Uh, every team member of Ransomed Heart right now is currently exhausted. And part of that has to do with, you know, we just came off some big events, but part of it has to do with, here's how Stacy and I describe it, being a believer right now in the world is like standing in a very strong ocean current. It just takes energy to maintain, to be And you might not be aware of all that is pushing against you spiritually, but your spirit is aware. Like, you're resisting it anyway, and it's exhausting. And again, pace of life, the effects of technology, screen time. You know, people are spending anywhere from four to eight hours a day on their mobile devices, three hours a day using apps. That is draining on your soul and on your spirit, actually. So we get it. We get exhaustion. And want to highlight again the context of the hour. There's nothing the enemy would love more than to wear us out, and then we don't pray. So if that's where you're at right now, you've got to begin to build restoration into your day. You've got to build restoration into your week. Like, we need to be restored. He restores my soul. So, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me to restore my soul? And, you know, we've introduced the One Minute Pause app. Yes. Gang, you can get on your app store, look up One Minute Pause by Ransomed Heart, download it onto your phone. It'll be one of the few helpful things on your mobile device. (laughs) But it's designed to address this exhaustion. It's designed to address just how frayed we all feel because we're, we're being pulled in so many directions in this world right now. But I would take a break from serious contending prayer. And I would shift to worship, Bible study, the sacraments, the things that are built into, you know, God's provision for his people to restore us. So, you know, beautiful music, quiet in your room, turn the lights off, light a candle, turn some music on, worship, peace, rest. We do need to be restored, and we're going to have to be super intentional about this in this hour, gnarly hour on the earth and restoration is gonna be something you have to plan for in your day.
1: And just so good to know she's saying they wanna get out of the funk. Well, it may not be the funk that you're in if it's the fog and if it's the world around you. Exactly, it might not even be you. Yes.
0: I wanna step back for a moment. I've been introducing the podcast off and on this fall by saying this is a gnarly time to be a human being, actually for all kinds of reasons on the earth, some of it demonic, some of it cultural, some of it just the pace of life and the demands on us, um, the heartbreak of the world delivered hourly on our mobile devices. This is a gnarly time on the earth, friends. And frankly, uh, my opinion is it's very late. It's very late hour on the earth. I mean, come on. Peter thought it was late, Paul thought it was late, so 2,000 years later, think of how late it actually is, right? I mean, we are in the last nanoseconds in terms of this story. We really are in the final moments, and Jesus, echoing Daniel and other prophets, also Peter, that the last hours are very, very difficult hours. We are hard-pressed, we were very hard-pressed. And so all of our conversation about prayer right now has got to keep that in mind because I think that what did the most damage to my prayer life early on as a Christian and what really allowed in harm into my relationship with God, not, not overt, but it was that subtle erosion stuff, was I was operating from the belief that God is a good and loving God that he cares deeply about me, and therefore what I need to do is pray and love and believe, and that'll do it. That'll take care of things, and, and God will come through. And while that is partially true, those things are true, it's not an entire picture of the story. We live in a time where the collision of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness is absolutely blowing up on the earth. And, you know, when you have two million children trafficked into the sex trade every year, I mean, you are living in a very gnarly moment. There are actually more human beings living in slavery on the earth currently than in any other moment in human history, like more than Rome, more than the American colonies, more, I mean, like, holy cow, and so we must be mature That was the rest of my introduction. We live in a gnarly time. It's a very difficult time to be a human being, very difficult time to walk intimately with God, and God cares about your humanity. Maturity is not an option. And so as we press into difficulties in prayer, questions around prayer, we just have to have the larger context in mind. You know, Stace and I have been in this huge battle for our sleep, and I know many, many, many believers have been and you can kind of get in that place of, come on, God, like we're doing everything. We're worshiping at night and we've cleansed our home and we've done all the stuff. And where are you? Come on, come through. And you just step back for a moment and go, hang on, this is a this is a very gnarly moment on the earth. And if if you really believed that you lived in Normandy or, you know, in the Ayodrang Valley in Vietnam at the height of the conflict, like If you really believe that you lived currently in spiritual Afghanistan, you actually wouldn't be asking those questions. You would understand, oh, it's gnarly. And Paul talks about we've gone many nights without sleep. So there's a context, friends, within which we had better be carefully framing our interpretation of what's going on. How are you interpreting the current uh, problems in prayer?
1: Here's another question. You've previously discussed how when you feel like you're done praying, it usually means you should press in more. I found so much truth in that. Could you give me more tips on activating the soul in prayer? Okay, the reason why we we
0: put these two together
1: is because
0: we had to address the exhaustion thing first. We we don't want to just wear people out. There is a vigilance to prayer. There is. and And you should go and read Acts chapter 12 again. Listeners, it's, it is an amazing chapter on prayer. It's Peter being freed from prison, and, you know, James is executed, and Peter is next in line, and it says that the church was praying earnestly for him. The Greek there, that word for earnestly is the same word that is used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So, holy cow. The church is praying like Jesus was praying the night before his crucifixion, earnestly, fervently, passionately, because quite often in order to get things done in prayer, it does take that. Lobbing a few prayers heavenwards and then being mad that it doesn't work is very immature. Mature prayer recognizes a perseverance, a resilience, a sticking at it, And also the help of group prayer. So I'm riffing a little bit off the question for a moment, but I'm trying to add things into the conversation here at the close of the series that will be helpful. When you're looking for interpretation, get some help. When you're doing listening prayer, get some help if it's not going well. And and if you've got a prayer project, something you're really pressing into that doesn't seem to be yielding, get some help. Right. It, was, it was the whole church was gathered to pray for Peter, and that broke him out of prison. I don't think it would have happened if it was one person. That's just not how the situation works right now. And so they're asking, yeah, I get tired, and I, and I want to give up. Switch to love. What I mean is right there in the moment, in your prayer, switch to Jesus, I love you. Father, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. I love you, God. Just start loving God. Shift the focus for a little bit because loving God opens the soul up to the presence of God. And it allows you to be saturated again. We, we actually want to be praying out of the fullness of God in us, not our weariness. And so if I'm, if I'm weary, if I'm coming in, my first thing—and this is back to intimacy and back to relationship— my first thing is I don't jump first into prayer. I start with my need. It's like, oh, Jesus, renew our union, renew our union, restore mm-hmm. me in you. And I'll pray very, you know, this is daily prayer stuff. If you're familiar with our app, you'll find the number, the Ransomed Heart app has a number of prayers on it. But I cleanse myself with the blood of Christ. I ask the Holy Spirit to restore me and renew me. I pray to be one heart and mind with Jesus. Start there. Yes. Start with your union with Christ. Get restored, get renewed, get aligned, mm-hmm. and then go at it again. Mm-hmm. Okay and you'll find that your soul will be more more activated in prayer. The other thing you're going to find to be really helpful. So we're talking about weariness in prayer or lethargy, but also this has to do with problems in listening prayer. Surrender the self life. That's big. Surrender the self life. You know, there's two you. There's the you that is aligned with Jesus and is the new creation and then there's the self life, the old man, the old woman in us the independent person, living on our own resources, living for, frankly, our own agenda, and the self-life needs to be surrendered daily to Jesus. And if I'm having a hard time, for example, I'm jumping ahead to another question, but if I'm having a hard time in listening prayer, I will surrender the self-life because the self-life gets in the way, but it also gets in the way of just our union with God and, and our being filled and so... If I'm in one that place of, I don't really want to pray, blah, 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 okay, you know, I'll go, whoa, first thing I do right now is I surrender the self-life, Jesus, I align with you, Jesus in me, hmm. right? This is Paul in Colossians, the great hope of the gospel is Jesus inside of me, strengthen me, renew me, fill me for this time of prayer.
1: That's really good. Here's one more, John. They say, I used to write down my prayers in my notebooks, and I know that when we declare words, it's telling God our feelings, our desires, our afflictions. But the question is, is God listening to my written prayers if I'm not saying it? If I'm journaling and jotting it down on paper, is that the same thing as speaking prayer?
0: Absolutely. One hundred percent, yes. Ironically, look at the Psalms; those got written down for us. So, um, and it's it's a prayer tutorial, and it's it's very honest, it's very emotional, it's very filled with the human experience. I think that journaling out your prayers can be a really terrific way to combat the distraction of the hour. And I forget which podcast we may have mentioned this in, but I was reading a book recently called *The Shallows* what the internet is doing to our brains. Nicholas Carr almost won the Pulitzer for this book, in-depth research. And basically what's happening to you, dear ones, what's happening to all of us, our attention span is being shortened daily. And we are used to now living like a smartphone, the flip, the swipe, the flicker, the scroll, the feed. Uh, We can't pay attention to anything anymore. For very long, and that's a spiritual crisis because giving God your attention is the core to your human experience and to your growth and everything else you need, including powerful prayers. So, writing your prayers out can be a great way to keep your attention in it and super helpful for it. Alan, let me let me jump to one here that really got my attention. It's a longer question that I'm going to try and paraphrase. This this mom writing in has a beautiful six-year-old boy, and before he was even born, his parents had a sense, uh, in fact even visions, that he would grow up to be great in the kingdom of God, and so they gave him a great biblical name, and he's had an incredible childhood, very charismatic personality. and alive and very boy, energetic, 100% boy, but recently, here's the issue. He's having these outbursts of terrible anger and rage, even self-harm, where he screams and shouts that he's going to kill one of his sisters or kill himself. He screams and cries that he wishes he'd never been born, bangs his head into walls, kicks things, getting more violent, and his parents are extremely concerned wondering, um, and then here's what's interesting, is this change. This is a sudden change in, in the course of an otherwise delightful six-year-old boy. Uh, she's asking, could it possibly be related to the hatred that is rampaging in the earth that you've been talking about for a while in the monthly letters and also addressed on the most recent podcast? And this is why I started with context, and the hour on the earth and you know that we've been talking about death and hatred in particular the hatred piece is really awful gang and um yes yes i i i would i would say without being with him without sitting with you without praying together i would say yeah i bet i bet it is um in a dramatic sudden change like this in in the boy it's um in our in our postmodern era where, you know, we just, we want to, we want to turn to medication. We want to turn to a quick psychoanalysis. We want to get, you know, educational developers involved, but you really need to start with God and start with interpretation. I would get a few friends who are not closely involved in the story, like not grandma and grandpa, because their, their hearts are so wrapped up in it. Okay. But and ask Jesus for the interpretation, let there be light. Let there be light over this little six-year-old. What's going on, Jesus? Um, Don't just jump straight to prayer, gang. I'm I'm using this to riff again for a moment, but the number one thing that has changed my prayer life more than anything else is asking Jesus what to pray. Asking God what to pray, not just assuming I know, or throwing my hands up in despair because I don't know and I have mm-hmm. no idea. Mm-hmm. Not, not either extreme. Pause, get clarity, ask Jesus what to pray. And in something that's as volatile as this and probably as emotional as this, um, for the parents, it would be helpful to get a friend or two um, to pray together and say, Jesus, what's going on with our son? What's coming against him? Is this internal or is this external? Meaning, Lord, is this this an emotional uh, issue going on, um, something psychological in him, or is this warfare? Is this coming from the outside, Lord? Um, And then the hatred piece. I'll just guarantee you, if you begin to command the love of God, invoke the love of God, usher in, insist on, um, enforce might be the best word. We are enforcing. Mm Mm-hmm the love of God into the situation and over his heart, over his mind. Deuteronomy, by the way, says that your God is a jealous God, a consuming fire. So what we do is we call down the fire love of God, the fire love of God between us and hatred right now on behalf of our son uh in a fire love of God in our home the fire love against all forms of hatred and every way that hatred is gaining access here i guarantee you things are going to get better whatever else is going on right like get that off but also as for interpretation jesus what's happening and how do we pray let there be light i love praying that it's the first it's the first order in scripture in genesis 1 and this is before there was a sun mm-hmm uh, or a moon or stars. It is the light of heaven. It's the light of the presence of God. Let there be light, that the light of God would fill the situation, illumine what's in darkness, and, and that you would reveal to us what's going on, Jesus, and then teach us to pray. How do we pray about this? What's, what's going on? And then you know, just a couple other quick thoughts. Has he, has he been exposed to media? recently. Um, some sensitive children, you know, all it takes is one of the scary figures in a Disney movie, uh, sadly, um, because I think a lot of the Disney movies for kids are filled with the gospel too. You know, the Lion King, you know, comes back and restores the kingdom and all of that. You know, it's very gospel, but there can also be some pretty scary moments. And did that open a door to darkness? Let there be light, Lord. What has gained access to our son? How did it gain access? How do we pray for him but um but by all means and then she actually in in the beautiful question she wrote in she she did admit towards the end that she's brand new um in the area of spiritual warfare, and um really hasn't done much with it at all and um kind of reluctant to get into that, but willing to. And the thing about the thing about spiritual warfare gang is one of the first things that we'll try and do is get you not to pray about it. Okay. It's the fog of war and this hits all of us. Everybody at ransom heart gets hit with this. It's like, Oh, maybe it's not. Maybe we, you know, maybe we should just go play some basketball. We'll just feel better after lunch <laughs> or whatever. Spiritual warfare will always try and fog the situation and get you not to pray about it or to just take one swipe. So, you know, in the name of Jesus, we bring the love of God here. Amen. That's not mm-hmm. going to get it done. It's just not. Um, and, and I was having a conversation with Stacy about this last night, and uh, we may end up talking about it in, a, in one of the Christmas podcasts. But one of the most intriguing stories around the Christmas narrative is the flight to Egypt. I want you all to go back and read that. In Matthew chapter 2, after the Magi come and present their gifts, it says this, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. Friends, you got to just meditate on that a little bit and ask yourself what kind of story have I found myself in, and how does God get things done in the world? Because this is God's own son. This is the rescue plan for the human race. All of the resources of heaven are available for him. And God has to wake Joseph up in the night, he sends an angel to wake Joseph up in the night. Hey, Joseph, get up, get up, get up. Grab the kid, grab, grab your wife, pack a few things. You're leaving now. Now? Right now. Head for the border. You're like, whoa, whoa. I, why doesn't God just take out Herod? Why, why, doesn't he just, why doesn't he just send angels to just guard Jesus and the family and everything will be fine? We just pray a protective hedge around their home. Like, why wasn't that sufficient? You see, you live in a far more dynamic story then I think most of us were led to believe. And, and that will really excite your prayer life because your prayers actually have much more importance and power and effect than you thought they did. So, of course, the first thing the enemy is going to do is fog you with things of don't pray and, you know, confusion. And, oh, maybe, well, okay, we're going to pray about hatred, but just once, you know, it's like, no, 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 Stacy and I praying against it sometimes 20 minutes. Twenty minutes of invoking the love of God to to get this thing out uh, of our situation and and to clear our lives and our house of it. So it's an exciting it's an exciting time, and and never more was maturity in prayer called
1: for. So John, I've got a question. I I didn't get it written on Facebook, but I thought maybe I could ask you in person here, which is this. Why does there seem to be so many times in our lives where we hear God well, He's chatty, He's talkative, He is expressive of what's going on and giving us heads up, and other times where it's just periods of dead silence, and we ask, and we listen well, and there's just nothing, and it's confusing because we know God is consistent and He always loves us, and yet it doesn't feel the same much of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I want to be careful with interpretation because the answer is it depends what else is going on, right? Like it, we want to be able to say, oh, well, that's just a time where the Lord is growing your faith. Go, maybe, might be warfare, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something else may be happening. He may be pushing into an issue of, of of a block in your soul for inner healing. I, So we have to be very careful with interpretation. Um and to ask Jesus, Jesus, what's going on? What's happening here? What? But, but I would say this. It comes back to context. Um, there is no question that God is wanting mature faith. And mature faith requires the desert. Mature faith requires the fight. Mature faith requires suffering and we don't like it and we don't like you know we'd rather uh find a theology that says otherwise but it's just not true jesus himself said in this world you will have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world Um, you know paul says through much tribulation we must inherit the kingdom of god there um, so when when we're in times of difficulty in prayer whether that's hearing god or sensing his nearness his comfort, or that that's not getting breakthrough, I will guarantee you that one of the things taking place is a more mature faith is being called out of us. And we want to respond by saying, come hell or high water, I trust you. Whatever happens, I love you. It's the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer. Our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace, but... If not, we will not bow to you, evil one. Like it's that but if not attitude. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. But I'm also going to choose right now to practice faith, practice belief, mature, grow, uh, be resolved, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, my beloved brethren, Paul says, be steadfast, immovable. That, that kind of immovability is formed, not when things are great, it's formed when we have to really stand fast, right?
1: And those are good words. Thank you, John.
0: I know, gang. I know, I know. This was like 45 minutes and we barely got six questions in or whatever, and there's so many more. I know. So, Alan, you were reminding me, um, we have a podcast on spiritual warfare. We have a series. right that we did earlier this year that is super helpful. So you can find that in, in
1: 2019. Yeah, exactly. And we did a series on hearing from God, from your book, Walking with God. And so for people asking more about how to have conversational intimacy with God, rich, rich content on a podcast series we did earlier this year as well. And then if you haven't read Moving Mountains and you've got questions on prayer— Start there. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal book on different types of prayers and ways to pray to God. But probably most importantly, the first part of the
0: book does set up our situation, and, and it, it clarifies who we are in Christ and the authority that we do have. Uh, our situation and the resources at our disposal, Like it, it'll open up more of an understanding of how prayer works in the world and what you are calling on. When you are praying, because prayer is so much more than asking God to do something and then waiting to see whether he does it. Prayer is entering into a partnership with God, which is one of the most thrilling human enterprises on earth. So, I hope this has been helpful, friends. Recognize the vast inadequacy of it all. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come into our questions. Holy Spirit, you are called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus said, when the Spirit of Truth comes, he will remind you of everything I have said to you, and he will guide you into all truth. Holy Spirit, guide us all in our current need. Amen.